Welcome to the Vitality Health Show, where we inform you about the latest advancements in alternative health care and the best health and wellness solutions to benefit your body, mind, and spirit. Now, here's your host, Stephanie Parrish. Welcome, everybody. We are so happy to have you here on the Vitality Health Show. I am Stephanie Parrish, the voice of Hope and Healing, and this is my assistant, my co-host, Doug Crockett. We are both very happy to have you here, and we are the voice of Hope, Healing, and Miracles. Have to make sure that we add that. How are you doing, Doug? I'm great, Stephanie. Good morning to you, and how are you? So great. We are on air. We are so happy about this. We're going. This is great. Before we get into our show too far, I want to make sure we thank our sponsors. We want to thank Christine Erickson with Mindful Lab. You can find her at mindfullab.net. She is so wonderful working, especially with youth and helping them with mindfulness and just peace and calm. She is an amazing, amazing woman. So find her at mindfullab.net. Also, a great big thank you to Sunshine Family Hemp. You can find them at sunshinefamilyhemp.com. They are absolutely amazing too, where hope, healing, and miracles happen there as well. They are, um, we've been taking their hemp for a while and I've just absolutely loved it. The way it's helped me sleep, the way it's helped me feel. It's been really, Very really helpful. great. Yes, indeed. And also oils by Ellie featuring Young Living Oils. There is an oil for that. And we use a lot of essential oils around our house for everything. We love that. So get hold of Ellie at oilsbyellie.com. And also, I want to invite all of you to make sure that you go to the YouTube channel, Miracles Where Heaven Touches Earth, and that is our own Doug Crockett's channel. He's got some amazing, amazing shows on there. We just listened to one he just posted, I believe it was yesterday, the day before. Yep. Cried my eyes out. (laughs) Such a beautiful, beautiful story of miracles and near-death experiences and what happened to this little girl. You guys are going to love it. So you can go on there and listen to all 50 plus or whatever he's got on there now. And they're all absolutely fantastic. And I know our guest today, Anna, has got her story on there as well. I think hers is in a two or three part. Yeah, Because it just keeps going. Yep. Four part. (laughs) So it's an amazing, amazing show as well. Again, that's on YouTube or any of the other stations that you want to go on and find. And it's Miracles When Heaven Touches Earth earth. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get right to our guest today. We have got an encore presentation with Mm -hmm. Anna Katia. We had so many people comment and ask to have her back to finish her story. So we have asked her to come back. And for those of you that are got a pencil and paper, you're going to want to write this down. You're going to want to write her information down. Her original show was on Thanksgiving on November 25th. And that was where we touched a lot on her adoption story. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But Doug, why don't you give us a lead in there and we'll get going with our beautiful Anna. Absolutely. Thank you. It's wonderful to have Anna back again, back with us again on the show. Her story is incredible. Her spirit is incredible. And so we get the chance to speak with her further about her, about her life and her stories. I know today we want to touch a little bit more about the, the title in a new land, we are, we, are we not all refugee in a new land, coming to a strange land on our own in our own stories? And so we're going to take that approach with Anna. We look forward to hearing further of her experiences, how she came, and the, and the road that she traveled. And so it's our blessing now to have Anna with us on the program. So Anna, again, welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you so much, both of you. I, I'm just so happy 
just so excited to, again, you guys are dear friends as well. And there's yes. uh, several connections uh, and just being here on the show and being able to speak with you guys um, is just an honor as well as, you know, being able to inspire and to share with the community um, my experience in my life as well as my story um, for my Adoptive for Change page. Uh, I really, or mission, but I, I really just um, value relationships. I value that I can be able to be on here, speak with, you know, people that, you know, friends of my own and to be able to just reach out to the community and that we can all just make, you know, stronger and uh, just uh, more authentic relationships. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. So, Anna, before we get started on the next chapter, would you give us just a little history for those that didn't hear the first show of what happened and Doug and I were talking this morning because adoption is very very close to my heart where I've adopted three children three different nationalities as well as having natural children of my own and the adoption world has been very very tender to my heart and your story just brings that all full full circle back after we've talked about this so many times so would you kind of just catch us up to where we were before and then let's move on because i know there's a lot more you'd like to share and we cannot wait to hear yes absolutely i i i honor anyone that especially just the love of adoption itself um those that who have adopted and those who have been adopted um, it's a very real experience and i believe that it affects everyone it affects all that we, who we love and all those in the community. And um, I'm going to touch a little bit there on, um, you know, it's also hopefully I recall, I remember to touch on the community and its effects as well, you know, yeah. in any of those kind of circumstances that people um, kind of come in touch with adoption. Um, but I want to, yeah, I, I guess my story with the last time on being on, on Thanksgiving would be just touching on the original story of me coming to America and um, I originally was uh, born in Costa Rica. And then at the age of about one and a half, um, I had shared that I was then found on top of a mountain in San Vito, Costa Rica, where the state had then needed to uh, have me move to an orphanage after finding that I had been abandoned by my uh, birth mother. And as I was brought to the orphanage, um, then I was there for, you know, about another year and a half. And then my adoptive parents from uh, Provo, Utah, (laughs) of all places, Provo, Utah in America, uh, (laughs) had a desire to adopt and made their way to uh, uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. And then they went to look at different destinations for an orphanage and found us in our orphanage. And they um, did bring us to America in uh, 1981, in December, it was about Christmas time, and we arrived there in uh, Provo, Utah, on the snowy December uh, days. <laughs> now, you keep saying us. Tell our listening audience who is us, because it wasn't just you. Right? Yes, exactly. So I had a brother and sister that uh, were coming with me as well. We're about a year apart, and yeah, it was us three coming together and. Um, our family welcoming. They already had, my adopted family already had four sons of their own. And so they were adding to their family as well. So we became a pretty large family. Uh, we actually have officially ended, you know, our total uh, circle of family is of eight children. And we, uh, my parents later had adopted a little sister from Chile. So we had three nationalities um, in the family and growing up with that. 
Wow. Uh, very, very, a lot of different lands within one family. <laughs> My That's goodness. The best. <laughs> now, when you, when you got there in December, uh, and it was snowing, I remember December of 1981, actually. That was a very, <laughs> very snowy time. And so I would imagine I come from Costa Rica to all that snow had to be a real shock to the system. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, very different there, as I had uh, touched on before. You know, Costa Rica is a, is a very uh, tropical place. And it's just, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It has the rainforest and volcanoes and beaches and um, just a lot of moisture. They're having the rains fall about every afternoon. And I mean, those rains are not cold like they're here. They're warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're often and, wow. and they're washed and they're just amazing. So yeah, coming from that tropical to now, you know, a very different state of cold. Yeah. I actually didn't even know what this, what I call like this, this white stuff flurries just, you know, falling from the sky was. I, 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 I had no idea. So that was actually probably one of my first questions. As yeah. we were ahead what is that? What is this stuff falling from the sky? Yeah. yeah. And you're, you were what, three? We were you three? I was three years old when I arrived in, uh, yeah, Provo, Utah. Uh-huh. And I can even imagine as a three-year-old comprehending. I, I mean, an older child would have a hard time comprehending. I can't imagine yeah. as a three-year-old, one, getting on an airplane, <laughs> flying right. to a place that's snowing. I just, yeah. It's kind of amazing what you would have experienced as a three-year-old trying to grasp what was going on. Absolutely. Um, just just grasping uh first uh, not having that i didn't have that initial knowing of really what my what kind of land i was coming from what kind of circumstances being so young but now being older and getting older especially in my teenage years i could sense there's a great change and that was my desire kind of my later desire to just you know building to go back and see i just knew like this is so drastic and different um wow from my previous land, you know, in Costa Rica to then coming to America and really in, and uh, even though you don't understand it all, you know that there's just so many differences going on and they weren't just going on on the exterior. They're, they were following up now inside, you know, in the interior of me and in within me, you know, right, me right. identifying with what was going on. Absolutely. Uh, so let's skip forward to when you got back to Costa Rica, you were what, 18? Was, were you 18 when you went to Costa Rica? So, How old were you uh, when you went? 18 years later, and I will return. 18 years later. Okay. Uh-huh. You're 21, roughly. Yeah. That, re- that return was quite um, emotional. Um, I wanted to touch on three major ways of the arrival of different lands and how I felt about them. And so the initial arrival um, in returning to my country would definitely be coming with um, – an identity of myself, you know, first asking like, who am I? Uh, where did I come from? You know, um, with this, this country that I was told about, I had minimal information on my adoption and my parents were extremely open about my adoption, but that's all they had was to tell me that what country I was from, the name of my birth mother and the name of the lady from the orphanage. And then I did um, return with two or three letters from the volunteers in the orphanage, but really that's what I went with on the trip. And my, my goal and my, my mission, I guess you could say in my life, uh, a hope in a young girl's life was to uh, be given a miracle and to be given um, a hope again, that maybe in this journey, I would find my birth mother 
And, and if it's not, you know, if that wasn't what was to be as well, which brought my faith of what I believe in and where I was religiously, uh, where I felt religiously stable was, I needed to also succumb to the fact that if it didn't happen, I didn't meet my birth mother, that was okay too, because that's what, um, that's what really encircled my faith, right? Is to accept mm. all things. Right. Which is Beautiful. very mature at 21 years old. Yes. Like, you know, some people go with that attitude, like I am going to do this. I'm going no matter what, right. you know, and sometimes that's not God's plan. <laughs> Big life-changing events yeah. that we need to be prepared for whichever direction it may take us. And that's what you've experienced. Exactly. Whatever direction, what land. So I was already maybe in hindsight, maybe I was already being taught this and I was more accepting of it and accepting of change, accepting of new lands, because I had seen being in Costa Rica, coming to America and being in America, that there needed to be some acceptance and some change there. And so returning, I think that may have set me up to maybe be a little more prepared about, you know, the wills of my heart, you know, aren't necessarily always met with, um, uh, perfect circumstances and perfect families and perfect, uh, perfect lands. Cause really there was both, there was hardship and joyful, um, joyful memories. Um, but there was both in, in both lands. Um, but yeah, returning, returning was quite emotional. I actually, um, grabbed here. I don't know if you guys can see. Um, but of course, like the viewers okay. probably can't yeah. see, but I have in my hand, the original journal and entry of when I returned. And as a writer, I just naturally have always been a writer. I actually have journaled everything that I have been through. Um, and so I had the original um, message. And I want to read just a little bit. It's the touchdown in Costa Rica um, oh, and how it beautiful. felt. Yes. Um, and each, each time I'm sharing a new land and going to a new land, it is actually a recorded journal entry of someone else or of my own. Um, and it's authentic. So here I, I have it even placed in Spanish. I put Mayo instead of May. I guess I was really <laughs> excited to go. So in my journal, I title Mayo the 10th, 1999. Um, and, it's, and then I title it Touchdown. Um, so when I went on the airplane and I touched down. So today is a day of a new beginning. I packed the rest of my belongings and my mother and I, uh, my adopted mother and I knelt in prayer. Uh, I was filled with joy, but I was also scared. It's kind of a weird experience. I realized for a moment, these parents had done so much for me, my adopted parents, and that it was time to now go and uh, to find out what was out there. I said, um, we had met for a dinner with our adopted family and my siblings. And I had also said a goodbye to my best friend. <laughs> and I was kind of nervous because I really hadn't been far, really far from home. Um, but it was now about, um, 8 30 PM and I need to, uh, get some rest. I later woke up and got ready and got packed and headed out, um, with my friend Wade, who would be waiting for me to make our way to the airport. As we made our way to the airport, we would, um, we would get on our flight and be able to, we had to land in two different places, which, um, we arrived in Dallas, Texas first. And then we had to make the rest of the flight to uh, Costa Rica. So touchdown, it um, felt like it took forever to land. But when we did, I was so taken by this opportunity that I couldn't hold it in anymore. I cried like a baby and Wade just had to hold me. He was so excited for me. I had returned 18 years later. We had um, been able to get off the, off the airplane and wait. And I just, 
had to stand there and recognize so many of the blessings that I had and that I had now arrived and also wondering what would be in front of me next. I appreciate when you said recognize so many of the blessings in front of you. That is a very deep and mature approach to take when life throws you twists and turns that we don't anticipate. And now we're in a new place and now we're going back to where we were. That's a lot to take in emotionally and physically and spiritually. And I appreciate that you talk about the gratitude portion. I think that's just pivotal for a lot of us, if not all of us that hear this. If I can put a little note in there too, for those of you that aren't journaling, <laughs> especially should. at this point in time, right in our lives right you now, should. journal, Do even if it's a little bit each day, because yep. for, for Anna to be able to read her words from so many years ago of how she was feeling and what that experience was, what a that's priceless. Yep. So journal, 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 yes. journal. I don't do it as well as I should, but I do do some, and I know Doug does too. So let's skip forward because we've got so much of that story. And again, for those of you listening, go back on our November 25th show and you can hear the rest of this, this crazy, crazy Wonderful, journey. Beautiful story. Awesome. Full of miracles journey that brought you to the mountain that you were taken from when you were three years old. Yes. Right. So just for time, let's get forward to that. Absolutely. So the mountain where I was brought to, um, I originally would think a lot about the time that I, um, when I grew up, what I, what was the mountain like and what was it for me to literally just sit alone, um, and wonder, um, where my birth mother was. Uh, this circumstance had to do a lot with uh, I mean, with abandonment, but as well as loneliness. And I can't imagine uh, really any child, which, I mean, there is this whole world in front of us and many children go through these, these kinds of things in different countries, um, but sitting alone and having no food and having uh, no one around, um, I can't even imagine what that was like. And then to return, um, there's a, it's very important to note that there is a second record in order to return another record had to be recorded. And without the recording of the record, um, this would come in, um, you know, when I was three years old. So was that 78, probably 80, 80, no, maybe 80, 79, 80, that the state then records my state, my status of what that mountain looked like and where was I. And when I went to the trip, when I went on the trip and I, was looking for my birth mother, the number one thing that actually would give me the direction of how to find the birth mother would be the following record of the government, which is called the Patronato in Costa Rica. And they would record in my records, um, it's like I soon was able to obtain them within 14 days. And I got about an 80 page bound record um, to share what really happened. And they had recorded everything to the T with also an interview personally with my birth mother and um, the ongoings of what happened there. And also they recorded them coming in and when they took us from the mountain, uh, when they saved us from the mountain and then um, led us to, or brought us to the orphanage. Um, so sitting on that mountain and really returning was a lot because this was the following information I had received. This is a point at the mountain and this is the recorded. This is why it's so important to record our journal, you know, the journals, our lands, our people, it's very important to record and have this ha and always have it as a history for those that are to follow, especially and for your family members. Um, 
whether you've adopted or adoptee or any or any sort of status, you know, to um, record. So here, the patronato, I have just gone to the papers and pulled a little clip. This is the information I had just received, because remember, I only went with her name, and now I have the name of the city. And so this is what right. I'm now finding out. Let me take you to Costa Rica right now. I'm now finding out um, the 13th day before I'm supposed to leave, you know, the day before, the full record. And the full record is now in my mind, five I don't know, five, 30 seconds before I'm going to meet my birth mother. Cause I have just found this information like two, two days prior. The, the um, information uh, that I had received was this description of the mother recorded in the patronato or government records reads um, the minors of the mother, Flormena Hidalgo. Flormena Hidalgo is approximately 30 years old. She is single and she lives um in, in San, uh, San Vito, Costa Rica. She is white, skinny, short and sloppy, careless and poor hygiene. Her attitude and behavior are those of someone with serious mental illness or trauma. She's been in, in turn turned into the psychiatric hospital for five years. Um, and she has had also problems with alcoholism, uh, but affirms that she has had no liquor, liquor, sorry, liquor for a year. Anna, the girl on a Katya of one year of age, also does not possess documents of her birth or does not appear to be in the registry. Um, she is light skinned with straight hair and dark eyes. Her height is not in accordance with her age. She is not up to speed and development of her motor skills in her age. She does not walk. She practically does not move, does not pronounce any words. Her state of health is serious in accordance with the medical diagnosis of the hospital. Dr. Ascalante Pradilla who presented the diagnosis of malnutrition to the third degree or anemia or mental retardation. The case was referred to Dr. Frankel Montalban to the social work office, the possible commitment to have the girl sent to the Three Rivers Nutritional Clinic. Incredible. Does that kind of blow your mind when you read that, Anna, that that was you? That was you. That's, that's what yeah, they found yeah. when they found yeah. you. Me. And to where you're at yeah. now, it's just, I'm, I've got tears come down wow. my face already because that's you they're describing. Absolutely. Does that just kind of blow your mind? How does that make you feel? It did. It, it does. And it, it still does. And it, and it did. It just, I'm shaking right now. I, my hands are shaking. I, it, it's always been something that's just been like, I'm sure it's shocking to come here, but then to go back and be like, wait, hold on. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. Like, because all I'd known was my life in America. And I hadn't even identified that this was even me. I had forgotten this part of my identity and just gone. And so it was very strange for me to be like, that's my, wait, I starved? Wait, I was dying? Wait, I I was, you know, rushed to this nutritional place. And I, I had no clothes, no food. No one was around. They record that there was no schools around. There was no hospitals around. There were no people around. There were no neighborhoods around. There, there was nothing around i mean because it makes sense you know 20 plus you know i don't know 18 years before prior there's just nothing being built and i'm literally on top of a mountain in a tin shack um so yeah it was incredible it was mind-boggling it really was yes um wow yeah <laughs> i got tears running down my face i'm just sitting there thinking about stepping back into that world and just trying to identify with that and 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 you were you were literally hours, if not days, from death. 
had they not stepped in right then. And wow. And luckily they did. You know, that's yeah. just that is just so amazing. Oh, it's, it's, it's a miracle. It's incredible. It is a miracle how your life pivoted from that moment. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Agreed. Absolutely. It, it is miraculous. And um, that stage of my nutrition, I just, I can, I was mind blown that. Yeah. Literally probably months yeah. from death. And so the timing of all things, you know, and the return was very necessary too. Um, because a lot of things had grown and the lady in the social uh, work um, that was over in my orphanage, she had um, gone up in her career. And so she knew a lot of head lawyers and that's literally the only way we got the lawyer um, because she knew her so well after 18 years, it took yep. her to know her well and say, absolutely. Like, you know, especially after being moved, she had to be moved because she was struggling with giving me the records. But um, after being um, moved by what I, uh, what I would call the spirit, um, she turned around and said that I needed the full record. Um, and I, I think the blessing was waiting, waiting 18 years was the blessing because, um, that was necessary for people to be in a certain position in their careers or in their lives to have some things um, work out, you know, um, especially for me to get the records from the government. Right. Um, oh, there's so many miracles. I know that we're getting ready to take our first break. So I, do, I want you, when we come back, I want you to tell the miracle, really, truly the miracle of finding your mother, because it is talk about a needle in a haystack, really. That was, <laughs> that was what was happening. And the timing of it all, like you'd said before on our show before, it was just crazy. And then we want to move on to, there are so many refugees coming into our, our country now and so many refugees going all over the place. People are being so, so for all sorts of reasons, people are being displaced from right. what they normally do. And, and I would love to hear your take on that, what we can do to help, how we can, how we can better the lives or step in and help. What would you suggest? There's so many things. My mind's just going with all these different things that what we Beautiful. want to share with there. And I know you've got a lot of things that you want to share. Your story is so great. I want to touch on, on just the quickly, when we come back the story with your mother, because it was like, I remember bawling then. So in the break, I'm going to go grab some more tissues. So yep. with that being said, everybody, we've got, we're going to go ahead to our first break here and let you listen to our amazing sponsors that we have on here that help us keep this show going and keep everything going. Yep. And we, we hope that you guys will, will share, like, share this with everybody, make comments yep. for us yep. so we know what's happening. We really appreciate that. Yep. You want to hear the rest of this incredible, incredible story. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Learn more about the products and equipment discussed by Stephanie and her guests on the show by visiting MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. We've done the research for you and selected proven, high-quality brands at competitive prices from companies you can trust. Drugs and surgery are not your only options. Discover the exciting alternative therapies and health and wellness products that are helping people to reclaim their health and enjoy a higher quality of life. That's MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. 
Isn't it interesting how we can be physically disconnected from others and yet be personally affected by the change and confusion of the world around us? We want moments of clarity and peace, and we need to feel connected to others in positive ways. A mindfulness practice can help decrease stress, increase feelings of well-being, and help us be more connected to those around us. To find out how mindfulness can do all this, go to mindfullab.net. You'll find tools and resources to start your mindfulness journey today at mindfullab.net. If you're looking for the highest quality CBD products on the market, visit sunshinefamilyhemp.com. Sunshine Family Hemp is a family-owned business located in the mountains of northern Utah. Our full-spectrum oral and topical products contain no artificial ingredients and are third-party tested by a DEA-certified lab. Online ordering is easy, and we ship nationwide. Sunshine Family Hemp has been in business since 2019 and is legally certified at both the state and federal level. Visit sunshinefamilyhemp.com today. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to the Vitality Health Show with Stephanie Parrish. If you have a question for Stephanie or her guest, please email contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com. Now, back to the Vitality Health Show. Welcome back, friends. We are so happy to have you here. We are talking with Anna Katia. She is just a dear friend of ours, and her story, I had to stop during the break and go get some more tissues because I just, <laughs> just the tears just keep coming every time I talk to this beautiful woman. And she's not only beautiful in the outside, but she's incredibly beautiful on the inside and has just remarkable stories to tell. And if those of you that were with us in the first segment, You were able to hear a little bit about her story being adopted when she was three years old out of Costa Rica, coming back, finding out that she was near death, hadn't been fed, hadn't been clothed, had nothing, being able to really literally miracles. And as we were saying earlier, if you want to hear the whole rest of that story, go back to our show that was aired on the 25th of November, Thanksgiving Day, and listen to the rest of the story because we're just getting bits and pieces because we want to get to the the rest of the story, as, well as they say. Well so it's very, it. very well worth it to go listen to that. And Anna, before we start, how can they get hold of you? Because we're going to be giving a lot of information. I don't want to forget to ask you this because she's doing some really remarkable things. How do they get hold of you? Um, everyone can get a hold of me at my Adopted for Change page on Facebook. You can either like or follow there. That's where I'm going to be putting a lot of future speaking notes or uh, firesides of the different things that might be held, as well as my webpage um, that is at Adopted for Change. The number four needs to be placed in every every uh, um, time you look it up. Okay. Adoptedforchange.com. And yeah, that is where yes. you can see a lot of my blog, my V-blog and different information, pictures, quotes, all these um, events that, you know, just different things that might be coming up in the future and also... Um, my speeches that are being uh, placed on there. Um, and so Beautiful. Yep, yep, you can be able yes. to get a better idea of that content and information. Right. She's very highly sought after. So yes, you guys will is. just love going on, liking it, sharing it, subscribing, getting on there, following her. It's so fun. Adopted for the number four change.com. So go, go on there and, and find her and follow her. She's uh, Love this woman. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to zip really quickly to how you actually found your mother, because this is 
by far one of the biggest miracles. This and then incredible. I want you to tell us the timing of how this all, how, why this is so vital. Because this, we've been talking about driven. the timing. Yeah. Yeah. Completely driven by heaven. Beautiful. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, like I said, being there in that place and having those records um, read to me and then needed to reflect on this information. Um, I was standing there. We had eventually on the 13th day before the 14th day, we would need to return home. Uh, we reached the top of the mountain and a dear farmer that was just doing his daily day and being himself just turned around and he let us know that my mother would be uh, um, alive. And he literally just said, oh, I just saw her a couple hours ago. And we were just like, what? Like, are wow. you kidding? Like, we had no idea in this journey that she was even alive. We didn't know the city. We didn't know what's going on. We don't know her state of health. We have no idea. We had just read these records and we're already mind blown. And we're just like, are we in a movie? Like, this is just crazy. (laughs) And this man, this gentleman in reality is standing on the mountain saying, no, like this is reality. I just saw your mom two hours ago and she's just down that mountain. So we're now taking our um, place to, uh, to, to make a decision to uh, jump out of that car and and head down the mountain. So we start rushing, we start rushing down that mountain as quick as we can. Uh, What is um, amazing again is due to the records, the following would be um, the following would be told to us, and as we read the record, it, they had recorded that as they had gone into the patronato and government had gone into to get uh, me and my siblings, they had recorded that they would be coming across a bridge. They would be hearing some water. They would also see the landscapes of the trees, and they would come to an open pasture where they would see the tin shack. And in the tin shack, they record on page 18 of my records, no type of furniture, no bed, no chairs, no table, a few dishes and a stone made of three rocks. They saw no clothes and no food. The water you, the water you drink is from a river. They live about three hours before you get home and the roads are of dirt. Um, and this is the recorded record of them entering um, towards uh, my tin shack. As we, ent- as we made our way towards the tin shack, the same occurred. What we didn't know is that she lived in the exact same place. We wouldn't know that until we arrived and we arrived. And so as the record Amazing. said, we, passed, we went over that bridge and we heard the water. And we, sure, we passed the trees, and we um, we saw that open pasture, and there was the little tin shack, and it had no type of furniture, and it still had no bed, it had no chairs, and it had no table, but this time there was no dishes, and there was no stone, just a few coals and a pair of shoes. I don't know if there was clothes and I don't know if there was food. And if there was water, it was still from the river that was flowing. And when I approached that place, Wade, who had gone with me and translated for me, said to wait and he would go ahead and he checked to see if my birth mother was truly there. And when he came back, he was rushing back and he just looked at me and said that she's there. She's standing there and she's, she's just wow. standing by your tin shack. 
And all I can do is just think of my entire life. Think of where I began, where I was taken in love and acceptance and, and through adoption to America and then returned by God's hands, I believe, to my country back 18 years and back on that mountain standing there. It was almost like I just had this, oh my gosh, just this amazing, incredible experience of having every minute of my life. And it's not even that I died. Like people talk about having your whole life flash before your eyes. No, in the miracle, my eyes, my, like everything flashed, my life flashed before my eyes. And the Lord, literally, God was like, every second was recorded and you would not be here if any part of your life was any different. Like you are brought here for this reason and you're here on this mountain at this spot at the exact time, hour and minute and second that I need you here and that you need yourself here. And then Wade looked at me and said, are you ready? Cause I will, I promise you this will change the rest of your life. Are you, do you want to do this? And I said, yeah, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm scared. I'm all that way. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Smoke. I, I was can so feel scared the spirit of what you're Yeah, Incredible. I do. And that's when we made our way and, and, and I saw my birth mother and we had the very touching and um, hard, uh, um, just so many years of coming together. And she, she had um, uh, called out my full name. And I, so I, I was like, wow, like how does this woman remember me? Um, she called my full name out and we had asked her later for a hug and a picture and she had declined it. And that was really hard after 18 years. But as I sat there and I recognized that this was something that it was about me at this point to make some decisions about my relationship with my birth mother, as well as many others in my life. Um, just about life. Oh, life perfect. Oh it, was, it was true sense of um, showing up our character, right? Um, when we're sent to certain places of certain circumstances and and my mother had held out in her hand before I left the cucumber. And, and when I looked down, I, I noticed that cucumber. And, and in my heart, I, I, I was so, I still had resentment and I still had frustration. And I just remember clearly that that was all taken away. And, and I knew my answer. I knew that she literally was give her, giving me everything she had. And she had made everything. She had sealed everything whole. And that um, I felt whole. And that she was enough. And that I was enough. Giving you that cucumber, that was everything she had. And she gave that to you. Yeah, I don't even know if she had, like I said, I don't even know if she had food in the 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 tin shack at all because we literally just saw, you know, the coals and the one pair of shoes. And so to to have that recognized and to have that come to my mind and stand in the middle of my country on top of the mountaintop was just it was just wow. It is. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I believe yeah. you. I, I think that's what it is. I think that was her way of showing you in the best way that she could. Here's what I have. I want you to have it now. That's beautiful. And we come, you know, we come with what we have. We come with who we are and we are in where we're supposed to be. And yep. that's the message is that it's okay yep. to deliver and be delivered and go to wherever we need to be because, um, we are supposed to be there for a reason and we're supposed to be amongst those things that we're, we're supposed to be um, experiencing and whatever that brings, you know, and that brings joy and sorrow, but that brings so much experience of so much of connection. And it's just so important that it's less about 
where I'm at and more about what am I learning? How am I growing? How am I inspiring? And how can I give back? And that really was just, just really moved me after having the experience, returning back to America, feeling the carpet, looking at the paint, seeing I had a roof. Um, right, right. It was just mind boggling to me that now I had this complete switch of lands. And now America was shocking to me. I was like, I literally slept on my floor for like two days. And I had returned almost to this child where I had entered America the first time. So when I came, when I was three years old, um, my mom had my adopted mom, again, the last record, which I'll read to you that my mother took from her recorded record of us entering America was the following that when we entered America and in their home, we knew very little Spanish. We had to have our uncle come and translate for us. He was the only family member in our family that knew Spanish. And then Later, they would find out, I'm sorry, um, before we had arrived to America, we had to have all our shots and the shots mm. were becoming worms. And that was from the malnutrition. It only took within a few days that we would give the entire family worms and we would all be sick laying on the carpet for a week. Then later, we'd get the kids ready for bed, baths and pajamas. It's often hard to keep them in bed. Later to check on them to find food stuffed down their pajama clothes. My mom at one time had gotten the milk out of the fridge in order to give us some milk and had spilled some of it on the floor when my brother ran to it and licked the rest of the milk off the floor. Wow. This was a previous circumstance of our beginnings in America. And then to know, find the circumstances of what it was in Costa Rica and to know that, yeah, we had a better life. We did have a better life in Costa Rica, I mean, sorry, in America, because yeah, we were given all our needs and, we were given the things that we, we needed most, um, and and that was important. But, you know, we were still figuring out where we're going to still start because we're literally stuffing food down our pajamas when there was plenty of food in America in, at our kitchen table. Um, and then to return back to the country and come back home and just, and just be in awe of these things again, going, oh, my gosh, my kitchen table, there's paint on my walls, there's carpet. I felt like the guy, the uh, Tom Hanks from Castaway. I always loved that movie because he falls in love with that dang volleyball. But right. literally, the connection is so real. And it's because you're so alone. But yeah. I love how he came home. He just laid on the floor because that was the comfort. That's what it's interesting how your yourself can really, um, what do you call it when you're a chameleon? You can change. You mm-hmm. can change with the lands. Um, and, and then the mind can do that. And there's a lot of amazing things that can happen because we are resilient. We are a lot more resilient than we think. I love that you just did that really quickly. Uh, I want you to tell us your mother passed away not too long after that, right? My am I, I remembering that? From my knowing, we just haven't returned yet. Um, but from my knowing, you know, she might still be alive, but yeah, I wouldn't know that until I return again. There you go again. Okay. 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 So moving into the segment of the refugees, which I love this because you were talking about refugee love and the show is called in a new land, which is exactly what you're talking about. And as we were talking about in the break, how many refugees there are all over the place, all over the world. right now. Everybody's so many displaced. Yep. And so many children without their parents and so many just just displaced people. So I'd love you to talk about that a little bit because you've been there and you know what that's like and you've yep. been dealing with this. And what can we do? What do you suggest? How how is the best way for us that are listening to be able to help in this situation? 
I feel what we can do, um, we can do best. And everyone says, I mean, it might even sound cliche, but I, I, I would, um, I'd say more to it is that we just, we be kind, we be kind because the small acts of kindness are more powerful than what anyone can imagine. The small kind, the small acts of kindness, when you give a shirt and when you are making those blankets and you're making those kits and you are praying for the people in the world and you're praying for, um, um, as often that I pray for the orphanages and for the orphans and for the volunteers and for um, all, all these people in, in, in the lands um, and in Ukraine and in all these countries everywhere. Um, because well said. we all, we were all trying to um, experience everything in our own way. I appreciate that. Cause I agree. Food and clothes, very necessary agreed, but I can certainly understand the biggest issue may be just a lack of connection. And so to find a friendly face when you don't know anyone around you can mean everything. It is huge. So for me, just coming to the States, I never had a time that I recall, that I recall ever feeling like um, there was a racial slur, there was um, a negative connotation, there was um, any kind of uh, demeaning or negative um, call out on myself or my family at any time. And that was amazing it was it, it it literally shaped my life thinking like i really truly into this day felt oh these are amazing peaceful people i mean and this is a great country this is a wonderful neighborhood these are wonderful people because of the acts because the fruits that they showed they showed you know the fruits that they were offering not real fruits but the, what were their actions what were they really showing to me their labors that yes. shared you're welcome to be here you are loved you're cared about and you're amazing because I mean, I take me, take, I'll take you guys to elementary where teachers were kind. They welcomed me. They helped me find my seat. They helped me teach me through my disabilities. I had um, learning ones. I had to catch up a little more faster with the kids with the English and, and I had a stutter and had to go to speech for years. And these teachers were just, you know, had, I was equal to the rest of my classroom, my classmates. That's also in the community as a teacher, any kind of professor, any kind of position that you are in um, as that kind of influence to definitely reach out in that way, as well as being a community um, kind lead, um, kind neighbor. Um, when we had arrived, we also received um, envelopes and packages and just things of whatever people were willing to give from their hearts, not because we asked, because they were willing to. And that created a neighborhood of just connection and of love. And to this day, I still see now those individuals are 80 and 90 years old. And they look at my face and I see them around in stores and they bump into me and they go, it's you. I recognize you. You oh, used to so that neighborhood. And I'm like, it sure is. And I tell each one of them, thank you. Thank you. Because they are so kind and they still continually re- return that kindness and acceptance. And I'm hoping that's what we can do with a lot of um, the refugees, individuals, anyone that's going through um, any type of change or um, displacement, you know that we reach out. And when we can't do anything, we can always, always pray. We can always pray for each other. That is the most powerful. Absolutely. You know, the other thing that was just coming to me is m- these refugees, th- this wasn't their choice. It was, you know, your, cho- your, your choice wasn't 
to be put in an orphanage as a three-year-old. These people that are, are finding themselves being refugees in other countries or within their own countries, it's generally not their choice. It's something else, circumstances that have happened. And I was looking at watching something the other day with all the earthquakes and the tornadoes and the, the volcanoes. And I was talking to a friend of mine that's over in Tahiti with, with the volcano over there. And a lot of these people have become refugees within their own lands because their homes are wiped out or their, or whatever's happening. And, and it is really up to us to be kind and loving and accepting. And they're all God's children. Doesn't matter what their circumstances are, where they were from, they're all God's children. And it's up to all of us to step out. What would Christ do? What would Christ do? Beautiful. And to be kind. Yep. And, and I love that you said that. Sometimes the things that we can do can be the simplest things, like being Christ-like, yeah. showing that, that smiling face, that, that place where they can feel comforted when they're looking for that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mourn with the, those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And yep. just, never, just never, you know, negate the idea that it doesn't have to be on a grand. When you have a lot of people coming together on the same, the same love and this, the same... Um, um, mission, um, those people will come. But when you just realize that you can just do that little part and it will become a, a grand thing, um, it will always become great. Um, but sometimes we can think, well, I'm not doing anything big or I'm not sending a ton of money or I'm not doing this or that. So I will do nothing at all. That's not true. Everyone can do something. Um, and uh, the world needs it more than ever, especially now. And sometimes just a smile or a hug, just some connection. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have anything to give, you always have a smile. You can always give that. You can always give a hug. That doesn't cost anything. Those are free. You know, sometimes they just need somebody to talk to. <laughs> just, Absolutely. Just, just love. They're all God's children. And we just need to love everyone. You know, and I just so appreciate you, Anna, sharing this with us and what you're doing, you know, with your adoption for change for the number four adoption for change.com what you're doing with that. So I want to take just a few minutes. We've only got a couple minutes left on the show. What, what is happening with that? What is your goal for that adoption for change program that you have set up? Um, so, so everyone gets to the right link. It's, it, um, the, it's adopted and I mean, adopted. Correctly, my apologies, adopted for change. Um, okay. But yes, um, adopted for change um, is my understanding of just being able to um, reach out and have because I chose to reach out because I choose to reach out and share my story. I share a part of myself, but I think that that's also a call for everyone to share a part of themselves and to open up. And so I welcome a community that is choosing to when they come on my page or interact or hear my story or buy my book which is called 14 days, the days it took me to find my birth mother, um, that Incredible. they give Incredible. back. Thank yes. you. Right. That they give back too. And they find a way to be able to provide, what can I do to be a better member of society? What can I do to bring more positivity, optimism, safety, care, peace, um, equality into a land where I am? Because we're in many lands in many countries, many cities and many states. What can I do, even in our jobs, what can I do to be that, that type of person? Um, and to see that people are from everywhere. 
um, and, and every place and every being. And, and, and that's okay because what we do have in common is we have humanity. We are all humans. We're all, you know, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all, you know, one just trying to figure this all out. Um, and so I well, hope we, I change We that. don't have to cross oceans to be that person. Nope. <laughs> no oceans. We can do it right here. Yep. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so that's so awesome. I'm just <laughs> I love that. And you know, me being an adoptive mother, there's so many things that on on every level, every level. And I remember when we adopted our oldest daughter and we I I was by myself in in North Carolina getting her and just it was exhausting. It was exhausting. It took every bit of emotion out of me that I had. We had no, you know, an adoptive parent at that time had no rights. So it was a touch and go, touch and go, touch and go. You know, I ended up being there seven days longer than I was supposed to be and getting flying back into Salt Lake after almost missing my flight. There's a whole nother miracle behind that, but almost missing my flight at four o'clock in the morning going, nobody's going to be there. My husband's going to be there. Maybe, you know, I mean, he'll be there. And my mom, you know, just, just the emotion of everything that I'd gone through up to the adoption, up to being able to actually get her. Cause she was taken from me at the hospital. Wasn't allowed to have her back until I got on the plane and then getting off that airplane. And there was 47 people there at the airport at four o'clock in the morning. To, to, to greet us, people from Idaho, from Utah, from Montana, everybody was so vested in this whole thing, getting this little baby girl for our family. Uh -huh. And I just sit there and I think how grateful I was for every single one of those people that hung out at the airport, not knowing if I was going to get on the plane or not, because it was just one of those things and not having any time to call and say, yes, I'm on the plane because... <laughs> I got there as the door shut. Whole other story. But wow. just to know that there is it's anybody that's in this process, it's not just the one person. It is a whole slew of people. Like they say it takes a village, right? It takes a village. <laughs> it, it takes a village. <laughs> and sometimes a whole country and two countries sometimes, or three, or the world. Yes, so, exactly. <laughs> anyway, with that being said, I, I love your story. Um, tell us your book again and how they can get it if they'd like a copy of your book so currently it's on paperback it's still waiting to go online but they can be able to leave an email either at my facebook page at adoptive for change or on my website adopted for change um, and they can leave a message there or um, leave their information and make sure you know how many copies do you want your name um, and what right now it's being addressed and so if you want to leave your address or a message on any more details let me know and um, yeah, for now, we're kind of doing that um, locally um, in the area until we can get that online. But Beautiful. Yeah. Adopted. I said it wrong and I apologize. For that. <laughs> Adopted for the number four change.com. Go on and get you guys. You can make such a big difference. Anna has just changed multitudes of people's lives because she is speaking up Beautiful. she's speaking out she's sharing yep. and that's what you all need to do and write your journals keep your journaling get that done because yes. everybody has a story yep. and as we like to say on our show everybody has a miracle there's yep. a miracle everywhere yep. and anna's got a plethora of them 
as do we all if we just know where to look. So, and again, thank you so much. We love you so much. And Doug, thank you again. It's such you a bet. pleasure. It and is. to all of you out there listening, go back and listen on November 25th show on our Thanksgiving show. You can hear the first part of the story and now the rest of the story. Beautiful. So thank you, everybody. You have a beautiful, happy, healthy, and safe week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vitality Health Show. Be sure to tune in next Thursday for another informative show with Stephanie Parrish and leading health and wellness experts. That's Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a wonderful, healthy week. Statements made and information provided on this program are for educational purposes only. They have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products discussed on this program are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Vitality Health Show is not responsible for any misunderstandings or misapplication of information presented in this show. 